Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode 62, for the love of the game, let's cook. Brooklyn. What it is, episode 62 for the love of the game. It's your man's ATH back in the studio, back behind the mic. So I was going to record episode 62 last week, but the usual studio that I've been recording at, uh, the lease is up and they're being moved to a new location. So had to find a new spot for tonight's episode. Uh, Sorry for the delay. Lots to talk about. So let's jump right in. Congrats to the Washington Nationals. World Series champs, a thrilling seven-game series in which the road team won each game of the series, which is really shocking. A thrilling series, and this Nationals team was a very likable team between the likes of Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, Strasburg, who was brilliant in the World Series, won MVP of the series, who also happens to be a free agent, uh, attention the New York Yankees, and Max Scherzer, just a very gritty team that had the hardest road to travel to be crowned champions, being that they were a wild card team. Kudos to them, an amazing, amazing season for them. As for the mighty Astros, or what we thought were to be the mighty Astros, a brutal loss from them. Game seven on your home field, that's tough. A.J. Hinch, not a great managing job in Game 7. Didn't use Garrett Cole at all. I mean, he's only the scariest pitcher in the game. Not great. And now he's a free agent, and he was wearing a Scott Boris hat post-game, so he wants the bag and doesn't really care about the great vibes that he's had in Houston. Uh, Attention, New York Yankees. Again, I'm going to repeat it. Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg are free agents. You need starting pitching. Don't be cheap now. And uh, that's a wrap for baseball season and baseball news for a while. On to the NBA. We are two weeks into the season. Lots to talk about already, and I'll be diving into an all-NBA show in the next week or two. But until then, a few bullet points on the start of the season and a little Colin Cowherd's inspired where Aaron was right and where Aaron was wrong. First, well, might as well start here. The Golden State Warriors. I was, uh, as you know, I was super bullish on the Warriors before the season started. I thought they could be a top four or five seed. I thought Steph Curry was going to have an FU season, was going to be the MVP this year. Well, needless to say, none of that is going to happen. They are now two and five. They started out by getting their doors blown off in their first three games. And then Stephen Curry broke his hand and will be out at least three months. D'Angelo Russell has missed a game. Uh, I should say a couple of games due to an ankle sprain. Draymond Green has a tear in a ligament in his finger. So, yeah, it's not looking too pretty in Golden State right now. And all my Golden State predictions, well, chalk that one up as to uh, a big fat L. 
Uh, two, the Phoenix Suns, who have been a mess and have been a laughing stock for the last two years, a team that I thought had zero chance of winning more than 30 games this year. Well, they're 5-2 and two after winning last night, and they beat the previously unbeaten Philadelphia 76ers. A, a shocking start to the season for them and a huge win. Devin Booker may have turned into a basketball player and not just a gunner. Ricky Rubio seemed to have stabilized that team after the signing was laughed at by many, myself very much included. Is this trend real? Are the Suns actually good now? I don't know about that just yet, but we shall see. But the fact that they're playing good ball right now is encouraging if you're a Suns fan. It's the most encouraged you could be in the last couple of years. Three, well, my brother and I were right on this one. The Miami Heat are awesome, and they are so fun to watch. They have two of the best five rookies so far in Tyler Hero and Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick Nunn, by the way, who went undrafted. Just unbelievable. Uh, Speaking of rookies, even without Zion Williamson playing yet, this rookie class has a chance to be very, very good and has been really good so far. Number two pick, John Morant, looks like a superstar in the making. I mentioned Hero and Nunn, Kobe White for the Bulls, RJ Barrett for the Knicks, Ruri Hachimura for the Wizards, PJ Washington for the Charlotte Hornets, Matisse Thybul in Philly looks like maybe one of the three best defenders in the league already. All these guys look great for their respective teams. This class has a chance to be a really, really, really great class. Four, the Lakers and the Clippers look to be the best teams in the West. The Clippers are doing this without Paul George, by the way, which is scary. And the Lakers have been great since losing to the Clippers opening night. I'm still a little bit of a skeptic on the Lakers as the season goes along. But Anthony Davis and LeBron have been great so far, and their defense has been way better than expected. I do think they need another playmaker off the bench, uh, but the Lakers look better than I thought they would early on. They could easily be the two seed, or even the one seed if things break right. Five, the Dallas Mavericks are going to be a problem this year. Luka Doncic, who was all-world as a rookie last year, has taken a major step forward. And much to my chagrin, and the chagrin of Knicks fans everywhere, Kristaps Porzingis looks like an all-NBA caliber player that he was pre-injury. And then the Knicks traded him for 40 cents on the dollar because, of course, they did. Anytime you can get Dennis Smith Jr., a guy who can't even start for this New York Knicks team, and two are going to end up being mid-to-late first-round picks, you got to do it because that's just the logical course when the front office screws up the relationship and the guy's upset. But we're not going to cry over spilled milk too much. By the way, I just have to give a shout-out to one of the members in an NBA-related WhatsApp group chat that I'm in. And this fine gentleman tried to convince the group that Julius Randle was the same level player as Porzingis. Well, this fine gentleman may be blind or just has no idea what's going on. Let's just take the game against the Lakers that happened this past Friday night when Porzingis actually had a bad game. But the way he commanded respect from Anthony Davis, one of the seven best players in the league, Randall's bum ass never would have commanded that level of respect, um, whether it was on offense and especially on defense. Just watch the games. Whatever. KP looks great. Julius Randall kind of sucks. Something I was on that hill beforehand but when the Knicks signed him. Yeah, being a Knicks fan is pretty terrible. Don't know if I mentioned that before on this show, uh, but if uh, you didn't know, just a friendly reminder that being a Knicks fan is a miserable, miserable experience. Six, the Kyrie Irving stink 
seems to be affecting the Brooklyn Nets. Three and four, and there are already reports of him being moody, uh, that he was especially moody on the China trip, and that the Nets are already concerned about it. It hasn't been even three weeks into the regular season, and there are already these reports. This fucking guy, I mean, he legit may be a team cancer, even as talented as he is, and he's been actually really, really good on the court. I mean, he's scoring in bunches. He's been super efficient, but I just don't get it with him and his mood swings. Something uh, that we should be monitoring as the situation goes along. I mean, the Nets just have to get through this year with Kyrie being the alpha dog. Make sure that he doesn't basically alienate everybody in the franchise. So when Kevin Durant comes back next year, he doesn't have to pick up the pieces. Uh, Just keep it together one year. For me, Kyrie Irving. But you know what? Don't keep it together because screw the Nets. Just in general, as in always, it's always going to be a Knicks town no matter how bad they are. Screw the Nets. And that's it for NBA for now. As I mentioned before, probably next week, uh, next episode, we're going to dive into uh, NBA in greater detail. Before getting into tonight's main topic, the NFL, it's important to note that college basketball, the season is kicked off tonight, and there is a monster doubleheader in Madison Square Garden tonight. The first game, number three, Kansas, plays number four, Duke, then followed by number one, Michigan State, against number two, Kentucky. An absolutely monster slate of college hoops. Should be really fun. And considering the professional basketball team that plays its games in Madison Square Garden is dreadful to watch, at least basketball fans will have some good basketball to watch in Madison Square Garden this year. Okay, on to the NFL. Uh, we're a little bit past the midway point of the season. Going to dive deep with a popular recurring guest in a couple of moments. But first, it's been a rough go about for the ATH Pick 5 this year. Last week, I was 3-2, and two, finally a winning record after a couple of weeks of 2-3. Uh, and three. So I'm still slightly under 500 for the year, checking in at 22-23 and 23 on the season. But here's the hope that uh, a 3-2 and two week, Signals uh, getting hot and more good weeks to come. So here are your pick five for the week. Number one, the New York Giants minus two against the Jets. The Giants are technically the road team. Now, the Giants aren't good, and we're going to talk about that uh, a little bit in the next couple of moments. But the Jets, who we will also discuss, are so, so very bad. And uh, just a quick thing before we get into the rest of the, the picks. The Sam uh, Darnold, uh, Saquon Barkley debate that happened before the draft and after the Giants took Saquon Barkley number two and passed on Darnold, who was hailed as this franchise-level quarterback coming out of the draft. And Jet fans, mock Giant fans, thought the Giants were idiots for drafting Saquon Barkley, a running back top two. Well, guess what? It's better than whiffing on a franchise quarterback in the top five. I don't know. As I've said before, I'd rather draft guys who are going to wear gold jackets. And Sam Darnold, well, he sure as shit isn't going to wear gold jackets because he's horrendous. And then I make fun of them on Twitter, as I'm known to do, because I've been proven right, as I usually am. And they come back to me and say, no, but it's still not, it's not even about taking the quarterback. It was about maximizing the pick. No, that's not what I heard after the draft. All I heard was Sam Darnold, this, Sam Darnold, that. How can you pass on taking a quarterback? Well, I just want all the Jet fans to just shut up already. I mean, the Giants are bad but and are slightly incompetent, but the Jets, you don't know what competent even looks like. So just shut up. Don't comment to me about football because you don't even know what to look for anymore because you've been beaten down as a fan base. Anyway, um, be that as it may, uh, pick two. 
I've got the Saints minus 12 and a half at home against the Falcons. The Falcons may or may not have Matt Ryan. Doesn't really matter because the Falcons are very bad, even with Matt Ryan. And the Saints defense looks to be really fierce. I love the Saints here. I was on this Falcons are going to be crappy this season from the get-go. And I uh, feel vindicated once again. Three, the Cardinals plus five on the road against Tampa. Kyler Murray is just so talented, so exciting, and the Cardinals seem to be, even if they're losing, seem to be close in these games because Murray just makes plays, and I don't understand how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Jameis Winston could ever be favored by five points against anybody. At four, I got the Rams minus three and a half on the road versus the Steelers. Now, the Steelers' defense has been great lately, but I think the Rams are primed to go on a run. I don't think the Steelers have seen an offense with the capability of the Rams' offense Lately, and I, I think the Rams are primed to go on a run here. I, I like the Rams in this spot. And at five, last but not least, I've got Seattle plus six on the road. Monday night football against the 49ers. Don't bet against Russell Wilson. Just don't do it. He's the leader for the MVP. I wouldn't bet against Russell Wilson. I know the 49ers have been great so far. They're the last undefeated team. I'm still a little bit of a skeptic. I think they get caught here. I like Seattle plus six. And that's the pick five. We're about to dive deep into NFL season with a uh, popular recurring guest in just a couple of moments. All right, you know what it is. It's, uh, as I mentioned before, it's basically a little halfway uh, I should say, over the halfway point in the NFL season. I had to bring back a very smart, enlightened, recurring guest when it comes to the NFL, Mr. Shy Elberger. Shy, what's good, bro? Uh, all right, doing well, doing well. Uh, Giants have not won in this Jewish calendar year, but we'll get there. Yeah, so, okay, so let's start there because we're fresh off of Monday Night Football. Um, where are you at with the Giants? Obviously, they're not very good, but I don't think after the way the season started, we were really – looking in at this season uh, and judging this season in terms of wins and losses. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's funny how kind of expectations change as more games are played. So like when the season started, as you said, expectations were not high. Um, and then Daniel Jones started that third game and had like the best first game ever. And then they won the next week against Washington, who sucks. But at that point, you'd won two straight. And so, like, if you had told me before the season the Giants were 2-7 and seven at this point, I would have been like, all right, I guess that's definitely possible. But if you told me at 2-2 two and two that they were then going to lose their next five, that would be disappointing. So I get it. The season's not really about the record. It's about Daniel Jones' development. And I, I guess we'll talk about him a little more. So on that front, I'm okay with but still just frustrating because I feel like a bunch of these games were winnable. And even if not winnable, just like the way that they've lost is just like frustrating and annoying. Well, last night was one of those types of and, uh, yeah. frustrating losses. Exactly. But I, and, and I guess we'll start with Daniel Jones because to me this season, once they made the switch, and once the O-line still proved to be inexperienced and young and, and sometimes not very good, it was all about Daniel Jones and how he looks. It was about keeping Saquon Barkley somewhat healthy. And that was pretty much it. Those are your two main objectives for this season. So where are you at with Daniel Jones right now? So I I mean, I, I am 
with what I see. Obviously, his biggest issue is turnovers. He lead, He's tied, I think, with Winston for the lead league in turnovers and has played two fewer games than Winston. Um, however, I think you just have to accept rookie quarterbacks have lots of turnovers. Uh, Baker had a lot of turnovers last year. Um, it's just, it's a thing. If you're a rookie quarterback and you don't have a lot of turnovers, that is what, like, that's what we call Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. So I don't think Daniel Jones is on that level. Pretty sure he's not. I can take the, the, the turnovers. Some of the picks that he's thrown are definitely head scratchers, but this is all, you know, this, he's played six, uh, yeah. So what is it? Six games now in the NFL. Like prior to that, he was playing for Duke. So, you know, this isn't a guy who's come from Alabama playing four years in the SEC and has, has faced good competition. I think we need to be realistic. He's probably going to throw a lot more turnovers. Um, a lot of the fumbles he's had have been like blindside sacks because, you know, our left tackle uh, is quite bad. Um, and some fumbles are, are, are his fault. Like his, uh, his scramble yesterday where he slid and then just fumbled. Like that is the kind of thing where I don't really want to see those anymore. Um, there was another fumble he had where it wasn't even blindside. He just like held the ball with one hand and got rid of it and didn't get rid of the ball. Um, so he definitely has things to improve on. Obviously, I think I like his accuracy has been really good. Uh, he throws a really nice spiral, I think. Um, I mean, we all know how excited I get for mobility. Yes. Uh, to me, I think his first first game, I think in the first quarter, he ran for a first down, and uh, that was very exciting. We obviously saw last night he had a couple more runs. So that aspect I'm fine with. I also read an article the other day, some analytics article, that basically portrayed or showed – that Jones has the biggest discrepancy in the NFL between on-target deep passes and completion percentage on deep passes, i.e. he's throwing very accurate deep passes and they're not being completed. Well, except except for the one at the uh, end of the first half, which was... Right. And, and we'll talk... We'll, that's more of a Pat Shermer issue, uh, and we'll get to him in a second. But yeah, just continue. Well, I, so I think that the point they were making, and um, I saw another tweet today with a uh, next gen stats that basically showed the Giants receivers are getting very minimal separation. Uh, Tate, Ingram, uh, Ellison, uh, Slayton, they're all getting less than the league average and average separation. And when you watch the Giants games, you can see that like basically every completion he has has to be like perfectly accurate and the receiver Tate or Ingram like have a defender to like draped on their back um like Tate made that one-handed catch yesterday which is really nice but like the guy was right on him and like and just like it, it, it would be so much easier for Jones if they just had someone if they had someone which we did who could get separation and you know create some distance like even the his two he threw two touchdowns to Slayton against the Lions, both really nice throws and catches. Both of them there was a defender like draped all over him. So I think that was the point of that article was basically showing that he's throwing really accurate passes, um, but they're just not completing at a high mark because the guys are actually not open. Uh, so you know that hopefully by next year they they have someone who can go deep and create separation. Uh, but overall, definitely 
pleased with Jones. I can handle the turnovers. I know he's a rookie. It's going to happen. A lot aren't his fault. A lot are. Um, but definitely pleased with where he's at at this point. Well, uh, you did mention that he, uh, like Baker in his rookie year, had a lot of turnovers. Uh, I think if you were to mention Baker Mayfield right now for the Giants for year two, we would be looking to jump off the George Washington Bridge. Because, uh, and we'll talk about the Browns in in a couple of moments. But, yeah, we we don't want him to look like Baker in year two. I mean, that's an absolute disaster. Um, I think, like you said, he throws a very nice tight ball. He's very accurate. Um, I the the fumbles, uh, you know, bother me a little bit, but whatever, that's fine. I, I don't want him throwing the real head scratcher interceptions or a lot of them, and he's avoided those. Uh, To me, the biggest thing about the Giants right now is the defense is horrific. I mean, absolutely horrific. The offensive line, okay, it's not great, but I don't think it's – like, with his mobility, he's able to negate some of that. But the the defense is absolutely horrific. I mean – I think the the offensive line has been a pretty big disappointment. When we spoke before the season and I was railing on Gettleman, the one thing you said and that I agreed to was that he fixed the O-line. I think, and I don't know if you saw me tweet this the other day, I don't really think we can say that anymore. I mean, Solder is just a liability at left tackle. Yeah, it's um, a problem. Hernandez is fine. The center is, I think, average at best. The right guard, Zeitler, has been fine, but I think run game, run blocking is a strong suit. We've seen him get, get beat a bunch uh, in pass rush. And the right tackle, Remmers, is also below average. And I think we've just seen, I mean, some of it, I guess, is Jones. He stays in the pocket. He's willing to get hit. But the offensive line is not rebuilt. Um, I think a lot of Giants fans just convinced themselves that, like, Mike Remmers was the next Orlando Pace. Um, when in reality, he's been average his whole career. And then he had a major back injury. And uh, he's average at best. And I uh, like that the offensive line is not remade. There, there's still work to be done. They need to draft them uh, tackles high in the draft, sign free agents, move soldier to the right side, something. Um, it's not close to a finished product, in my opinion. So, well, will soldier be a cap casualty this offseason? From what I've seen, it really seems uh, kind of impossible money-wise to just move on. Okay. They would have like, another situation where they owed him like $15 million in dead money. Uh, if they did that or something, I'm making up that number, but it's some significant amount. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we just need to be done with paying people who aren't on our team. I mean, I think like 20% of our cap is tied up in like Beckham, Vernon, and uh, like Eli sitting on the bench. So yeah. we're already well. at a disadvantage that way. Yeah. So, but so besides for the offensive line, the defense is horrific. Defense is horrific. I think we all expected the defense to be horrific. Yes, we did. Jordan Ronan earlier in the season. Uh, had the stat that like 30% of the salary cap has been used on the defense. So like the resources just have not been put into the defense. Now, if you want to say the defensive line now is basically all high picks, uh, BJ Hill, third round, Dalvin Tomlinson, second round, Dexter Lawrence, first round. Now Leonard Williams, I mean, I'm not like extremely angry. I just don't really understand that trade what really whatsoever. But he now is third third and fourth or third and fifth round. So there are a lot of high picks. And especially if they don't re-sign him. Well, if they don't re-sign him, then 
I will go into a rant. If they do resign him, I still, I'm like, the one position they had on defense kind of was defensive line. So I don't know. I still don't know why they did that. But linebackers suck. Secondary sucks. And I, that was what was expected. And the hope was that everyone's young and that the defense will get better. DeAndre Baker from week one to week eight, I'm not sure he's really gotten better. Um, Jabril Peppers has made a couple of splash plays. He had a nice force fumble. Uh, he had a pick six against Washington. Is he being an impact player? I'm really not so sure about that. Um, I think well, it really it's hard. Does- it's hard to know if he's an impact player now because the rest of the unit is so bad. Right. So that that was, but that was you can make that argument for Landon Collins, the the safeties he played next to on the Giants, and none of them are in the NFL anymore. Well, Landon uh, Collins is better than Jabril Peppers. Uh, and you can see, like, what? So how does he help Washington? Like, not that much. It's really never about one or two players, which is why, like, the argument of like, oh, what did the Giants win with Beckham? Like, you're gonna really pin like five losing seasons on the fact that they had a really good receiver. Like, that's so such stupidity. Um, but I think it really says a lot that when a, a fifth round linebacker rookie Ryan Connolly tears his ACL, like that makes the whole defense crumble. Like if that's how bad your defense was. Then that's that's saying something. But um, to me, yeah, the defense is bad. To me, the biggest issue, the biggest issue is the coaching staff. Pat Shermer last night was so incredibly incompetent. So incredibly incompetent. I, I can't even comprehend how how incompetent he was. And and there was one there was one instance last night that really summed it up. So I, as I'm sure you know, because you were watching the game just like I was, Giants are driving down the field. They're in the red zone. Uh, there's a, a pass to Ingram. Uh, Jones, if he held, if he pump faked and held the ball a little bit more, he had um, what's his name. Um, uh, the running back out of the backfield. Uh, Gallman? Yeah, Wayne Gallman. He had him streaking up the sidelines. It would have been six for sure. But be that as it may, he went to Ingram underneath on on like a hitch route. Incomplete. Um, looks like it may be pass interference. Maybe not. But it was like a five-yard route, right, on, on first and ten. So what does Shermer do? Knowing that he uh, it's fourth quarter, he's going to maybe need these timeouts, what does he do? He challenges a pass interference where they've only overturned, I think, one the entire season for five yards, yeah, burning so. a timeout. That was the worst. And then to compound that, because of course they don't get points, on the next series, or I think it was the next series, your boy Baker... Down the sidelines when they have the, the Cowboys pinned all the way back at, like, their 10-yard line. Deep pass. You know, pass interference call that was like a 35-yard penalty. That really, if you look at the replay, that was the call to challenge. Because it would have netted them 35 yards. But because he stupidly burned the timeout on the 5-yard uh, play or the um, the five yard maybe pass interference he couldn't do it because then he would have had only one timeout left. The guy is a buffoon. So uh, overall, I, I I agree with the sentiment, but I, I'm gonna disagree with a couple of things that you just said. Um, I thought the pass interference on Ingram was very obvious. 
Uh, it was very clear he got hit before the ball got there. The that stupid rules expert who's on the TV and this I, I think I mean the problem I have was it Dean Blandino like, last night? I don't think it's Dean Blandino. It's some old guy, uh, Mike Pereira, something. No, not Pereira. He literally said these two sentences: "That is pass interference. It will not be overturned." This rule that they instituted because of one. Uh, oh, it's the dumbest call. Oh, the to, dumbest. It's like, so pointless. If they're making it so clear that they are not going to overturn anything, when replay shows Ingram and not just Ingram, it was other plays throughout the season we've seen, as you said, I, I think Shermer's 0-5 now challenging. They're just not going to overturn it. So why is there a rule in place to challenge it? It's so stupid. I think that play was way more obvious I thought maybe a 1% chance they, they make it pass interference. If they, there was no way if they challenged the Baker pass interference that they would have uh, overturned that. I actually thought, well, I would not have called that. I thought it was a little ticky tack. Like you can make the case that Baker, that Baker is kind of arm fighting or. But it's 35 yards shy. It's a 35 yard difference well, versus a five yard difference. So the other thing I'm going to disagree with you, and you're not the only person I saw say this, that they're challenging that it should be pass interference. If it's pass interference, that's an automatic first down. That's not just a five yard penalty. It would have been first and goal. So it wouldn't just make it third and 10 to third and five. Um, I've seen, I saw people say that. I don't know why it pass interference is an automatic first down. And uh, that's why he challenged it, which he said after the game, you know, it would have given us a, a fresh set of downs. He would have called some bullshit play that wouldn't uh, – he would have yeah. run the ball into the line and it would have and been second and ten anyway, second and goal. Who cares? As frustrating as it is to just swallow, uh, you know, the penalty the, – the challenge flag because you just know they're not going to overturn it. It's like at this point, if there is a play during the season in the NFL where they do overturn it, like that's going to be suspicious. It's going to be like, okay, so the refs have something on this game because this is the one in the entire season that they overturn. It's, it's stupid. They just admit that they messed up the call in the playoff game, and that's it. To enact a rule change that they don't even enforce is just so dumb. And and there's just no chance it's going to be like this next year because it's it's ridiculous. Well, whatever um, we gotta we gotta. Tra- I agree with you, but we gotta transition. We've spoken yeah, about a two win team way too long, so let's transition <laughs> from a two win team to a one win team. The New York Jets, who are coming off a loss to the Miami Dolphins, who uh, up until that point were winless. So, uh, are the Jets the biggest disaster in the league? Oh, man. So, I mean, Sunday was pretty bad. I think pretty bad. First, That's an understatement. Yeah. Um, I think the first several weeks of the season, you can make a legitimate argument when your starting quarterback goes out and then your backup quarterback goes out. You know, how many teams are going to be competitive with Luke Falk playing quarterback? Fine. I I, you, you, you chalk those up to losses. Not it happens. Guy got mono, whatever, but he's been back now. And I know he played the Patriots and so did the giants. But that game, I watched that whole game, and I love to, as you know, I love railing on the Jets, not as much as you do. That was one of the worst games I have ever seen in my life. He, every pass he threw was either intercepted or landed in the bleachers. It was ridiculous. He um, saw ghosts. Just, just in, in, right, in classic Jets fashion, like, 
he obviously had to be, get captured saying that on the sideline. Like, that wouldn't happen to any other team. Then I honestly thought, like, they would rebound and kind of play well against Jacksonville. That did not happen. But then to play Miami, and I think it's telling that everything, every article I read was like, they liked Miami plus three. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, I, revenge game. Hand like, up. I won, a, I won money on Miami this week. I've backed right. Miami the last two weeks. Um, and then with the Giants playing Monday night, we were afforded the luxury of watching Jets-Dolphins. I mean, they, that is, that the coach is bad. The team is bad. Um, like Baker Mayfield, Darnold has just definitely regressed from last year. I mean, he looked decent in December, like competent. I think he like led the NFL in passer rating the last four games of the season. If Daniel Jones leads the league in passer rating in December, like you can't tell me that we all wouldn't be super excited heading into next year. Um, I'll tell you one person who was never super excited about the Sam Darnold era for the New York Jets. Uh, that yeah. is that is Mr. Aaron Tobinhas. <laughs> right. Um, that's true. You did say that. Um, I, I'm surprised. You're not surprised. I am. Um, like that sequence before the half or that play that he – first of all, fully full disclosure, the Jets got hosed on that call. That was a touchdown. Oh, yeah. That was that a touchdown. Day. Yeah, they got screwed. No touchdown. question. But that play after, I mean, that reminded me of like young Eli Manning rolling to his left and throwing some cockamamie pass while he's getting hit against the Minnesota Vikings. I, yeah, I, I we I, saw I it. We saw it a couple yeah. of times. There was a game against the Titans in like 2006. Eli threw it lefty into the end zone, and that was picked. Um, but like I, the whole play was was crazy. Like no one ran a route. Everyone was blocking. Robbie Anderson was standing out of bounds. I don't know what the hell was going on there. Um, and, like, the Dolphins had scored 20 points once all season. They scored 21 and a quarter. All I'll say is this. I hope, for both of our sakes, we are not putting a jinx on our team and we'll end up losing next week. Because I swear, if we lose to the Jets next week, that will be a tough one to live with. Yeah, that'll, that'll be a tough pill to swallow, considering and, I, and I already put them in my um, – my uh, pick five, uh, I've got the Giants number one in terms of uh, who I'm backing next week. Confidence. And the sad thing is, like, I don't have full confidence that the Giants will win because all I've seen for three straight years is the Giants finding ways to lose. The Jets just kind of, like, suck and they lose. I feel like half the games the Giants have lost in the last two or three years, they've been, like, down three going into the fourth and then somehow lose by, like, 24. Um, like, they just... One thing just leads to another, leads to another. Last night, a perfect example, like before the half. I don't know how the Giants ended up being down with the half, honestly. I have no idea how that happened. And well, then, it was that terrible, that terrible decision to throw the deep ball. It gets picked off. They couldn't just run a draw play and go into the half down 12-10. It was 25 seconds left. It, it, it was so I ridiculous. I know. That's on, I mean, that's on Shermer. I didn't, uh, I just, I really quickly, because I didn't get to respond to the Shermer point. I've been a defender of him in terms of specifically designing plays where people get open. I feel like last year I saw people open. This year, and back to, I guess this is related to the point where, like, no one's open. The Giants run also these, like, play-action bootlegs last night. The second Jones turns around, he's getting face-planted. And, yeah, like, it's not other, other teams, the Cowboys ran a play-action rollout, like, 40 times and Witten had 40 catches 
I don't understand how other teams, like what do the Giants do all week if they're not practicing these plays and, and watching film? Like, I don't know. People are just not open. They, they ran a, a Tate end around for 15 yards. They didn't go back to anything like that the rest of the game. So I don't know. Shermer's like the one thing I thought he did well. That's not even happening this year. He needs um, to go. But uh, my question for the Jets is right now, they're going to have another top five pick. And if you look at the Sam Darnold trade, they traded from six to three, and they gave up like two third-round picks and like a future fourth, something like that. They gave up three third-round picks, yeah. Three third-round picks. That's what it was, right? If you're the Jets, do you take in a loaded QB class from what I understand? I'm not a college football guy for the most part, but from what I understand, this is a monster QB class. Do you take another shot at a QB? Because I 100% would. Uh, yeah, I mean, we disagree there again. I cannot, I, I'm not willing to make that move at this point. Um, I think you kind of chalk, first of all, you obviously had a lot of conviction in Darnold to draft him that high. Granted, it was a different GM, different coach. I just think he showed enough. Uh, I mean, you don't agree. I think you, you, it, it's so tough. You can't just, you can't just move on from a guy like that after two seasons. One of which you're basically, you're both basically acknowledging both seasons. Your coaches sucked. I mean, Bowles is not any offensive guy. And now Tampa's defense sucks where he's defensive coordinator. Gaze was never a hire that made sense. Uh, Cause he was the oh, coach. He's a, of, he's a train wreck. He's a train wreck. So it's like now you're really putting all the blame on Darnold. Like, why don't you just hire someone who's freaking competent for once? Why? Like, why do the Jets just hire these clowns as coaches and put their players in the worst positions? I mean, it's great for Giants fans. Like, it's the only thing that's kind of been getting me by these last six years. But um, I, I would not move on from that. If I'm the Jets, I'd take, you know, the best offensive lineman or, or the best receiver, move down, stockpile picks. I think you just got to roll with Darnold for another year with a new coaching staff. And like, if it's now three coaching staffs next year and he still isn't better, like at that point, yes, you can move on after two years. I can't do it. Arizona took Kyler Murray after taking Josh Rosen in the top 10 and, yeah, that, and bro, that. It turned out good for them. I would probably do it. And I just love laugh. And I don't like laughing at the Jets fans' futility. That's not what it is. I don't have, like, this vendetta against the Jet fans. I have a vendetta against stupid people. So when you tell me <laughs> that that the Giants were dumb for drafting Saquon Barkley over Darnold, right? Because that was the argument when the Giants were in that position. Do you take the right. quarterback to maximize the value of the pick? Because trading down was never an issue or it was never an option. So when you tweeted me saying they should have traded down to take Quentin Nelson or Bradley Chubb, like that wasn't happening. So given the fact that that wasn't happening, all I heard was you, you whiffed by taking Barkley over Darnold. Well, guess what? Barkley, if he stays healthy, granted, he may have a Barry Sanders-like career that will ultimately be wasted, but that guy's going to wear a gold jacket. I'd rather the guy who's going to wear a gold jacket and figure it out from there than whiff on a top five pick on a quarterback, but whatever, that's just me. Moving on yep. to the next uh, disaster, the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. Uh, the Cleveland I, Browns. I, what, what do we make of the Cleveland Browns? Because their misery may be even worse than the Jets' misery because they had high expectations coming into right. this season. Like I was about to say, I didn't, I really didn't see this coming, but at the same time, I think everyone acknowledged this was in the range of outcomes. 
uh, a guy who started last season as I think the quarterbacks coach, then became like offensive coordinator mid season and then became a head coach. Like that's a lot of promotions in a very short period of time. So first year head coach, like that was a question mark. Um, then you're adding, it was like another one of those like dream team situations from the, like the Eagles in 2011, where you now you've added Odell to Landry and Baker was the offensive rookie of the year runner up and you have miles Garrett and you've got, uh, you know, these guys on defense, Denzel Ward and uh, one of their other uh, miles Garrett, the other cornerback that they have. That's good. And they have, it was just like setting up for like the Browns are back, you know, whatever they were 500 last year. And I, I don't even like, honestly, I can't, can't really pinpoint it because I feel like the Browns haven't really been on TV except for when they played the jets and won. I don't know what is happening there. Like every time I'm watching red zone on Sunday and I just see like the Browns have like six points at the half and the Browns lost like 27, 13. I like, I legit don't understand how they're doing so poorly with Baker and Chubb and Beckham and Landry and that defense. Like, I don't know what's happening. From um, what I understand, their offensive line has been pitiful. Right. Really, really yes. pitiful. Big, Baker is, is leaving the pocket way too early when he has time. And the play calling has been abysmal. And Freddie Kitchens is a disaster. That's so, what I understand. That's like, so how is he a disaster, though, when he was impressive last year when they did well? Um, like, I just, it's just crazy how, how that stuff happens. I saw a really crazy tweet this week, actually that uh, was red zone targets. And so number one in the NFL, I think was Edelman with like 18 and then Tyler Lockett at like 14 and way down on the list at number like 162 was Odell Beckham with three red zone targets this season. Oh, and he was open on the fourth and five that they, that Baker ended up throwing to Landry underneath into double coverage. He was wide open, had it had his man beat by a step and a half that would have put them in the end zone to win the game, and he just missed them. Yes, I, like I don't know whose fault that is. I want to say that's like, ba- that's, that's Baker. That's on Baker Mayfield. Like that's, you're so the quarterback. Play, you got yeah. you got to read the play. That's what you and, get paid to do. Think, like you would think. Odell would be like the first guy you're looking at in these situations. But also if you're the coaching staff, like I'm, you just have to design plays where Beckham is the guy to throw to like throw him receivers. I guess receiver screens aren't the best play at the goal line, but like it, he is a touchdown machine. Like he had 10 or more touchdowns every year with the giants. The fact that he has one right now, it's it laughable. Just, it, it makes so little sense. It's um, it's laughable, but I, I'm gonna uh, and you know me, uh, I've been an Odell defender uh, for forever. Uh, I think the Giants gave up, uh, you know, on Odell. It was ridiculous. I thought they got forty cents on the dollar for him, much like the uh, the New York Knicks trading Kristaps Porzingis. Um, <laughs> but I, I gotta give Odell a little bit of crap here. You know what? Your team stinks. When you when your team stinks and you're not performing and you're not producing enough with the stupid cleats that are banned by the NFL, where the goddamn cleats that are in dress code and stop making it all about you when you have two wins, like enough already. What was the actual story? I saw that him and Landry had to change cleats, but I don't, I don't really know what. The Whatever it is with the dress code, they were wearing like Odell was wearing like Joker uh, themed cleats that were not about the dress code. 
If you're winning games and you're producing, fine. But you're not winning games and you're not producing, so just get in line, all right? And Baker Mayfield, you too, man. You know what? I, 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 I like the fact that you speak your mind. I like the fact that you're brash. But if you stink, how about you just shut your mouth, eat a little bit of crow, eat some humble pie, and actually maybe try and get better and win a couple of games? Yeah, it's like also with the Beckham thing, it wasn't like the cleats. This wasn't the first thing that's been like this year. He had the watch thing. He had his, uh, his jersey was on top. Uh, it's insane. It's so stupid. It's Enough like about your fucking wardrobe, dude. Yeah, it's like, I know. But again, like, I can't say that those are things, those aren't causes of losing. Those are just like. No, just but like, what it does do is it. it fine, but it permeates losing culture. Yeah, you're right. It and, permeates and Baker, losing culture. That, that Baker interview with the reporter where he like threw a hissy fit and stormed off. Like, I'm sorry. You're like, whatever the record is, three and six. Like, yeah, you're going to be asked questions that you don't want to be asked and you just have to answer them because you suck so i like imagine a guy like baker which i always think about like a guy like that playing in new york and stuff like stuff like that does kind of make me appreciate eli for how he handled himself he was always a pro always a pro rough games and rough seasons like can you imagine baker in this new york market acting like that he would be it would be very ugly um and I, like he's just lucky Cleveland. I know they're like obviously a big sports town, but it's not New York. No. And that that behavior would not be tolerated here. And you know what? Uh, and I'll give Sam Darnold a lot of credit here. Yeah. Uh yeah. Sam Darnold handles himself uh with professionalism, with class. Uh granted I don't think he's particularly good at playing the position, but he handles himself with class. And he is a professional and he sounds polished. And when you're losing and you sound polished, you at least can convince yourself that things are going to turn around because the guy's got uh, enough polish to think that the work ethic is going to result in an improved play. Yeah, and then the thing with Baker is also like his behavior, it just creates people who are rooting against you. Like he's so cocky when he's winning. It's almost like. Now that he's losing and he kind of can't handle it, you like want to see it more. You want to like see him combust almost and like kind of just root against him. Um, and the other stat I saw, uh, obviously on Twitter again today, was Baker actually has the lowest Q, uh, passer rating in the NFL when not under pressure, uh, which is kind of interesting. He has like a 72 quarterback rating when he's not under pressure. And I think back to your earlier point. The O-line has been so bad that, you know, he wasn't mic'd, but he's probably seen ghosts and just is like bailing out of the pocket and just rushing throws or has too much confidence in his arm. So his mechanics are off. Um, just like just weird because he was good last year. So just it's just like a uh, yeah weird situation, I guess. You know, you think rookie quarterbacks would carry into year two like progress they made. And I guess it just doesn't always happen that way. Nope. Uh, clear, clearly not. It, uh, the Browns thing is is a real is a real disaster, and Browns fans have to be even more depressed than they normally are. So, as you know, or as everybody else knows, we did a uh, a preseason uh, preview. Um, we made a couple of predictions. Um, some of them went well. Some of them did not go very well. Um, so we're going to play a little, uh, you know, Colin Cowherd uh, inspired where uh, we were right and where we were wrong. 
What was your number one prediction that you uh, that you made that you were right on? Uh, I did have the Bills as a sleeper. I think they're six and two. Yes. Um, granted, I will admit, I think the teams they've beaten are pretty much all shitty, and the two losses were against good teams. But you know what? Maybe I knew what their schedule looked like. Their DVOA, uh, not very high, but it's six not, and two is six not. and two. Bill Parcells right. once said, "You are what your record is." Yep. So I like my uh, Bills pick. Honestly, I don't. I'm pretty sure. I don't think I had Atlanta, did I? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Uh, you had Atlanta yeah. winning that division. That was my big prediction that I was right on, that the Atlanta Falcons were going to be bad. I think they're still alive for that. Well, yeah, they, <laughs> they have one win. They're, they're horrendous. Um, I don't even remember what my other predictions are. Uh, Baltimore, I think. I like yes. Baltimore. You, um, I underestimated the Ravens. You like the Ravens a lot. Um, you were right on that one. I, I did not have that one uh, correct. The other one yeah. that I had very wrong was I was bullish on the Bears. I was bullish on Mitch Trubisky. And let's yeah. just say uh, that hasn't looked very good. So him, he's also an interesting uh, guy because it wasn't like he was really so good last year. He kind of just he ran a lot and he was like mobile and the defense was obviously incredible. But I think like passing wise, he was not good last year. Um, but he was he was competent and competent. and he put up you know enough numbers like he was doing the Josh Allen thing right now, yeah. Where it's like you know the passing's not pretty, but you know he's such a good athlete that when he gets out in space, you still have to account for him. He can roll out. He can he can make throws on the run. He can do stuff. Now he's just he's just a mess. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, God, to just I don't get how so many people can be paid and spend so much time to evaluate players and determine that Trubisky is not only better, but so much better than Mahomes and Watson that you trade up from three to two to, to ensure that you get this guy. Um, it's just, just crazy. I can't say I knew anything about Patrick Mahomes. Like I heard about him before no, the draft. I heard but, he put up yeah, monster but, numbers, but Deshaun Watson played in huge games Every single year he was in school, and he won big games. Uh, to me, that was crazy. But you are, you and me are not paid. That's not our job to, to do this. It's Facts. Like, We're talking like, heads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it, it's a, it's a franchise-defining pick in the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, the other one that you were right on is you liked the Packers. Ah, yes. You liked the Packers. I didn't necessarily love the Packers. Um where, I don't know how that was on Sunday. I did not think they would lose to the Chargers. Yeah, in my pick five, I, I had the Packers minus three and a half. So I'm I'm a little angry at them. I'm also angry at the Browns because <laughs> the fact that they lost to a backup quarterback uh is just is they're just abysmal. Um yeah. where I was right was I loved Seattle because I'm a Russell Wilson truther. Um I've always have been. I think he's the second best quarterback in the league. Um and uh, I always loved Seattle. And the other one was I had Houston being the best team in the uh, the South. That this the the South is a good division. Like everyone's basically five hundred or above. That I like. I don't know what Houston's deal is. I feel like every year, I'm not every year because I guess this is Watson's sec, uh, third year now. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're always 
good and then they finish like nine and seven or ten and six and like win a playoff game or lose that first playoff game like can they get over the hump like watts out again um i don't know like their running game is like kind of shady it's like Watson's amazing. I don't know why, for whatever reason, I just like don't think they can compete. I mean, they definitely can't compete with the Chiefs and the Patriots. I don't think they can compete with the Ravens. So I don't know what their ceiling is. Well, their ceiling is as high as he takes them because he's incredible. And, you know, even with all the injuries around him, especially on the O-line or, or whatever, you know, Will Fuller's been out. One game right. he's got three TDs, but he just makes plays and he's a, he's like a magician. Um, I mean and, that play where he he got kicked in the eye and threw a yeah, that was insane, unbelievable, insane. The stuff he does is insane. So the playoff picture uh, in the uh, we'll start in the NFC, um, and then we'll get into if you have one big prediction for the rest of the season what that is. But the playoff picture in the NFC is. Um, how do you think it's going to shake out? I mean, it looks like the, uh, you know, the NFC is so much better than the AFC. (laughs) You just took the words right out of my mouth. There's legitimately like eight teams in the NFC that can get to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think like Philly, Dallas, Green Bay, uh, New Orleans, the Rams, the Niners, the Seahawks. I'm throwing the Vikings in there. Yes, I'm doing it. Okay. Uh, All of them like, I mean, they're six and three. That's not, that's not crazy. No, I, I mean, that's. I, I think any of those eight teams at least could definitely be in the NFC Championship game, um, but make the Super Bowl. And the AFC really just comes down to the Patriots, Chiefs, and Ravens. So it's like... And Houston. And Houston will be there. They're going to win the division. I guess Houston will be in the Final Four, um, but I, I really don't see them as like legit Super Bowl contenders. Uh, How is it going to shake out? Dallas and Philly, I, I, I really don't know. I mean, Philly still plays the Giants twice, so that helps them. Um, well, all, well, the NFC East is only getting one representative. So let's let's just you think it's, you think that it's possible that they both go eleven and five. I I th- I think it is. I don't think they're good enough. Either of them are good enough to go eleven and five, ten and six. Both of them, I should say. So in that case, I don't know. I mean, ugh, I just hate having to like. It's so annoying watching these teams win the division. I guess I'd have to go with the Eagles because they've done it. They've done it already. Um, I'm actually going to go with Dallas. There's something weird about this Eagles team. There is. I agree. They, they haven't looked good. I, I just, I feel like the last couple of years, they also have done this. And then like they go four and in December and, and then just like crazy stuff happens. So um, if we, if, if we assume that the, that the division winners are going to be um, – you're only getting one team from the NFC. So you so you say uh, Philly. I say I, Dallas. Uh, yeah. The Saints are winning their division. Right. The um, Green Bay. Green Bay in the north. Um, San Francisco, who n- we didn't predict this. Uh, no. We uh, thought we they were not. like a year away from this. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, just, just awesome. Um, right. Just awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about one last, hold on one second. One last disaster team, the Washington Redskins. Um, so under Jay Gruden, they employed Sean McVay. They employed, uh, Kyle Shanahan. Yep. They employed, who's the other one? There is one other. Um, I know there is one other. It's always one I forget. 
Well, uh, the bottom line is they ended up with none of them uh, with Jay Gruden, that, and Jay Gruden has been fired, and they I have think no the wins. Coach is the other one. Oh yeah, uh, Matt Lafleur. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's not fun to be a, a Redskins fan. But anyway, so if the Niners win the West, um, who are you, who are your two wild card teams at gunpoint? I guess um, Seattle. I mean, the Niners have to lose at some point, right? Uh, Seattle. Well, I think they're going to lose on Monday night, but that's just me. Who, who are they playing? Oh, Seattle. Yeah. So Seattle. Um, I mean, the Rams. The West could could send two teams. So that so that that's who I think. I yeah. think it's going to be the Rams. Um, I think it's going to be the Rams, and I think it's going to be Seattle. Yep. And in the and in the AFC, I, I you got to find six teams. So I guess we're going to have the Bills and the Colts. It's funny because the Bills made the playoffs last year, also. So are we really going to have back to back years with the Bills making the playoffs? I I think we are. Bills and Colts. Uh, I mean, what the Raiders are like four and three or four and four, something like better than they should be better than you'd expect. But yeah, I'm not going to put them in the playoffs. By the I, way, the Colts, I mean, really kudos to Frank Reich for that, for luck to retire a week before the season. And they are doing as well as they are. And now Brissett's hurt. And I feel like Hilton's been out like half the season. And yeah. Barry Leonard missed games. Like, I feel like that is, that is an underrated coaching job uh, by Frank Reich. So my, uh, so I mentioned if you have one big prediction for the rest of the season, that's a little out there. What would it be? Ah, uh, you you go first. I, I need more time. <laughs> um. Okay. Mine is. Um. I'm pretty consistent on this. The Minnesota Vikings are six and three right now. I think that the best they finish is eight and eight. I don't buy the Kirk Cousins thing at all. I understand what the QBR stats say. I, I don't care. I I am fading the Vikings hard. I am fading them very hard. Well, just because of Cousins, like they they have you know Dalvin Cook is obviously amazing. Awesome they have receivers. Their defense is good. You think Cousins just will implode second half of the season? I do. I do. I'm just I'm just not a believer. I'm just not a believer. Okay. Um. I guess. I guess this is crazy because it's unlikely, um, but I I'm not sure any coach gets fired before the season's over. Um, the only like if Atlanta didn't fire Quinn during their bye week, I just don't see that happening. Mm. Otherwise, why wouldn't they have just done it already? Um, I I I really don't know if the Browns will fire Kitchens after one year. I guess if they really. Finish three and thirteen or something crazy like that. It's possible with those expectations. Uh, you're not going to can the guy. I guys I, have been yeah. canned for for less. I know, I know. Um, anyway, but I don't think it would be before the season because right. what, what's the point of that? Right. Um, the only like it, the funny thing I was thinking of if Adam Gaze got fired, um, I would presume Greg Williams would become the interim coach, and that would be what he has done now for two straight years. Um, and I feel like he's also been an interim coach other times. So he's just like the classic defensive coordinator who sucks and thus his coach gets fired. But then because he's old, he becomes the interim coach. Yeah, not um, great. He's, and he's, I, he's I, a retread. We've had enough of him. And I really don't see for sure during the season, but I don't think after the season either that Shermer really is in any sort of danger of getting fired. 
Um, I, I don't think the Giants want to become those that team that just keeps firing their coach. So maybe hire somebody who's competent uh, in the first place. The, the quick, yeah, that's true. The quick point I was going to make about Shanahan is like the Niners. I guess Jimmy G is like good, and by the way, his his career record is like at some point it's going to have to be talked about. He's like sixteen and two. Um, yeah. But like, who do they have? They have Kevin Coleman and Matt Breda and Debo Samuel and like these no names, and they're they're doing so well. You just I think of like. If a guy like that was coaching the Giants with Saquon and Tate and Ingram and like, it's like, how much better could it be? Um, it's just frustrating. You like last night's game to have kicked four field goals from inside the 10 yard line when you have these playmakers is all coaching. I'm sorry. It's not like I they know. were highlighting players open in the end zone that Jones was missing. There's just no one freaking open. And the play calling is like run up the middle, run up the middle, get sacked. And that's why I, uh, I'm calling for Pat Shermer's head. Uh, we're not going to rant on the Giants anymore. They have two wins. They stink. Uh, we've been going at this uh, over uh, over 45 minutes now, and uh, the studio has given me the uh, shy. This was wonderful, as always. Um, always a pleasure to talk uh, football with you. Uh, the Giants, well, whatever. It's about Jones, Barkley being healthy, and yeah. not a whole lot else. We'll see what they do in the draft. I don't think Barkley's healthy, by the way. It, it seems quite clear he's not he's not 100 percent. even though my fantasy team uh rides on barkley um I, I wouldn't mind if they shut him down but whatever it is shy always a pleasure we're gonna have to do this before when the regular season ends and the playoffs begin again uh good to speak to you uh as usual my man agreed and please please do not let us lose next week i cannot handle it Chaste Hashem if they lose to the jets you have to win you have to you have to win all right i'll speak to you Thanks okay. again. Thanks again to recurring guest Mr. Shy Elberger. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. He's one of my favorite recurring guests. Uh, that's episode sixty-two for the love of the game. Take us out, foul boat. Holla back. Uh huh. Holla back, youngin. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.